now, more tips with your host, Rebecca Rogers. Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. Thank you for joining us on Lifestyle Improvement for part two of our interview with Dr. Theodore Cadet. Dr. Cadet is a practicing doctor in optometry and is the director of optometry and neurooptometry for the Hope Clinics, which are located in Bellevue, Silverdale, and Tacoma, Washington. Dr. Cadet is a charter fellow of the College of Optometrists in Vision Development, which is the certification body for developmental optometry and neurooptometry. And now, here is our guest and our host, Rebecca Rogers. So I'm glad that you mentioned vision therapy again, because again, taking another setback. So mom takes uh, Johnny to the optometrist, which happens to be a behavioral or developmental uh, optometrist. And he has the capacity to not just see how well Johnny can see, but he's able to see how Johnny's using his eyes. What then happens when you, as a professional, find some specific problems? And what are some of the problems you may see? And how then do you treat it via vision therapy? Well, again, good question. So when in reality, we really see with our brain. The eyes are simply a tool to get lighted information uh, via electrical impulses to the brain. And the eye muscles are simply a vehicle to aim the eye so we can take in the information we want. But the actual interpretation of what we see and the response to that interpretation all takes place in the brain. And so the reality is there are no eyeglasses that are going to solve a binocular vision problem. Because essentially, the problem is not in the eyes. The eyes are fine. It's not in the eye muscles. The child doesn't have a physically challenged eye muscle. The problem is in the brain signaling to the eye muscles. And sometimes that signaling pattern has gotten all out of whack. And as a result, the child is uh, very inefficient at reading and performing visual nearpoint tasks. Um, I tell parents all the time, you know, if you look at our visual system from a physics standpoint, as a mechanical tool, we were designed to hunt buffalo with an occasional glance up close to make sure the fire hadn't gone out or your child hadn't run away. We were not designed to spend hours and hours looking up close. And in many, many cases, the system simply is collapsed and uh, it really isn't noticed until the child hits school. Because if you look, take a look, what do we primarily use our near point vision for? We use it for reading and academic work. So that's where the problem, the visual problems tend to show up, not as vision problems, but as educational symptoms and issues. Tell me a little bit about what specific things, if you may, just give me an idea what you do in a vision therapy. Sure. So again, think of vision therapy very much like any type of rehabilitation. Um, And so what what we want to do is essentially restore the normal brain signaling to the eye muscles that control the ability of the eyes to track independent of head and body movement, to be able to focus, to be able to clear what we see up close, 
and to be able to align or point the eyes properly at the same point in space and to hold both the focusing and alignment over time. What those of us that are efficient readers just take for granted. And so in, in a nutshell, in vision therapy, we're setting up an environment where the child or adult can actually monitor what each eye is individually doing while you're doing a task with both eyes together. Like right now, I mean, I'm looking at you on the screen and you're looking at me on the screen. I don't have any idea whether I'm using one or two eyes and neither do you, you know, but we can, <laughs> but we can create an environment using special filters, prisms, uh, many, many different techniques. So now you can actually become aware of what each eye is individually doing. And now you can tell your brain, hey, that's not what I want. And you can be, your brain will begin to change the signaling pattern when you're able to give it the right information to adjust those signaling patterns and literally put the system back together so it's functioning the way that it should. And when it does, then reading and generally academic work improves dramatically. Um, it's kind of interesting. Most of the patients that I have are really good readers. Probably less than 10% actually have a reading problem where they actually just don't understand the process of reading. The other 90 plus percent are anywhere from average to even exceptional readers, but yet they're failing in school because they can't keep up with the demand and it's too uncomfortable and inefficient to actually uh, perform what they need to do. Right. And really, we've been talking about children, but this can be a problem that can stem all the way to adulthood. And yes. a person may not even know they have this. And yes, sometimes they may cope, but then it can get more difficult as they get older. And of course, you know, the new science is telling us that the brain can change all the way through. So is this something that you still can help with adults? Absolutely. And again, what you're referring to is neuroplasticity. And as we're both aware, this is actually a proven concept. There are electron microscopic pictures of nerves actually growing new axons, trying to find dendrites of adjacent nerves to reconnect with and literally create a new path around a nerve pathway that is no longer functional. And we know now that that's how basically all of rehabilitation has worked. So in vision therapy, we're absolutely taking advantage of neuroplasticity, whether it's a child or adult, because the brain will change. The brain is really changing throughout our life. And if we can get the right information to the brain and get the right uh, things to happen, that many times we can solve uh, binocular vision problems and bring back normal or near normal function. And sometimes, as you and I again are well aware, the physical damage can be so severe that even with neuroplasticity, you can't regain what you'd like to. Well, and of course, you have a lot of experience with that because you have worked with traumatic head injuries, which yes. would be one really very clear 
example of how to regenerate and how to help that brain go back into that exciting concept of neuroplasticity, correct? Absolutely. And again, if I can take a little bit of a side to talk about how did optometry get into this whole area of helping people with vision problems and head traumas. It was really not even a one of my colleagues. It was a neuropsychologist uh, by the name of Dr. Roz Giannoutsos. And uh, she happened to get um, a job as the, uh, directing the rehabilitation department at a hospital in New York. And she came on the job, started looking around to see what was going on. And she noticed that the vast majority of patients were walking around with eye patches. So she started asking the nurses and occupational and physical therapists and other uh, rehabilitation people, well, why are all these people wearing eye patches? And they go, well, I don't know, but we, they complain about their vision. We send them up to ophthalmology. They come back with an eye patch and they're not complaining anymore. So Dr. Giannoutsos was smart enough to say, well, now, wait a minute. The eyes were intended to work together as a team. And if the ability to work together as a team has been impacted by the trauma, how are you going to rehabilitate binocular vision if you have one eye patch? It doesn't make any sense. So she began to look around and literally stumbled on the optometry school at the State University of New York, or SUNY, which of course had a vision therapy department along with all other optometry schools. So she started talking to some of my colleagues and you know, asked them, well, you know, uh, can you help people with head injuries and having vision problems? And they go, well, we don't know, we haven't treated any. She says, fine, I'll send you some. So she started taking all the patients that were in the rehab department there at the hospital and sending them down to the optometry school. The doctors did evaluations and just started treating them with many of the same techniques we use for other binocular vision problems. And lo and behold, their double vision disappeared and they didn't need the eye patches anymore. Wow. This is your host, Rebecca. And now we will take a short break and we will be right back with more ideas on lifestyle improvement. What if there was a way to help your struggling child perform better academically? Would you pick up the phone and call? Lifestyle Improvement Occupational Therapy Services in Puyallup, Washington, supports wellness and optimal educational performance. Instead of just reteaching information, we endeavor to identify the possible root causes for your child's learning difficulties. We offer targeted testing to assist in the creation of an individualized plan and provide you with the brain training tools that can help improve academic performance. Visit our website at www.lifestyleimprovement.com or give us a call today at 877-957-7387, extension 101. That again is 877-957-7387, extension 101, for an initial free phone consultation. Lifestyle Improvement Occupational Therapy. We're ready to partner with parents and to help your child succeed. So she started taking all the patients that were in the rehab department there at the hospital and sending them down to the optometry school. The doctors did evaluations and just started treating them with many of the same techniques we use 
for other binocular vision problems. And lo and behold, their double vision disappeared and they didn't need the eye patches anymore. Wow. So she's going Yahoo and started <laughs> sending everybody there. Well, you can imagine what happened with the Department of Ophthalmology when they heard that all these people were being sent to the College of Optometry. They were not very happy. And so they told her to cease and desist. And for a while, believe it or not, she was actually sneaking people out at four in the morning in an ambulance down to the optometry school, hoping that they could be evaluated, given some beginning treatment and be back in their bed before anybody missed them. Wow. Well, eventually she got caught, oh, she goodness. got fired. Oh. And um, the, uh, but she kept an interest and started writing in our journals. And I remembered some of her early articles. All right, so how did I get in this? Well, it's probably about the middle 80s. Uh, an occupational therapist that had worked with her moved to Seattle. And she just came um, looking to see what job opportunities might be available. And so she comes into Hope Clinic. She looks around at all my equipment and she says to me, oh, wow, Dr. Cadet, you've got looks like you've got everything you need for a brain injury program. So, of course, I look at her and go, oh, well, what's a brain injury program? And she looks at me and she says, well, haven't you been reading the articles in your journals by Dr. Giannuzos? And I said, well, yeah, I kind of scanned them. But, you know, I don't have anybody in my practice who has a brain injury, so I can't say I really studied them in great detail. And I'm telling you, this old occupational therapist gave me a look like I will never forget in my entire life. Um, and I will be nice in my language. But basically what she, the look she gave me was, well, you blankety, blankety, blank, blank. How are you gonna be able to help these people if you don't go out and tell them what you can do? You know, she was right. <laughs> so I started getting involved in what was then the uh, uh, Brain Injury Association of Washington and the rest is history. Wow. And that's now a big, big part of my practice. And then it was probably the early 90s that the Neurooptometric Rehabilitation Association was formed to promote work uh, in vision dysfunctions and issues in head trauma and stroke. And uh, today there's probably 250 to 300 of us in the whole country that really specialize in working with this head trauma population. Wow, that's huge. That's really, that's really, that we have you here locally is even better. So Thank you. it's fantastic. Ophthalmology and neuro-ophthalmology are just primarily involved in medical eye care. And uh, they do wonderful work. And again, I don't in any way want to uh, uh, dispute or lower the wonderful work they do in restoring sight from physical problems, and especially in neuro-ophthalmology, uh, being involved with brain tumors and multiple sclerosis and a whole lot of wonderful work they do. But again, they have no training in functional vision. And if they're not going to be able to offer vision therapy 
or functional optometry services, and they're not going to be able to deal with the kind of near-point vision problems uh, that the child is having. They're going to do the same basic primary care exam, and the only thing they're really going to be able to deal with would be eye refraction problems or eye disease type problems. So they do wonderful work. They just, this is just an area that they don't understand and don't have any expertise in treating or diagnosing. All right. So how long does the vision therapy rehabilitation program last in general? Very and I'm sure good. that it varies with different people. It can vary greatly depending on the issue. Um, typically, we see patients once a week, which is pretty typical in the vision therapy community. Um, and then they have from, say, 25 to 50 minutes of home therapy five days a week that they are going to do. Uh, in my practice, we make very heavy use of computer technology that we actually have treatment protocols now that we can prescribe and monitor right over the internet. So the child actually logs on to get to the, and, and uploads their therapy or downloads, does the therapy. And when they're done, all of the data automatically uploads back into the server of the company that developed the technology. And we have special software. We can go in and see what they did. Wow. So this is like Big Brother is watching you. <laughs> it is. So every time they do their home therapy, we get the date they did it. We get the time of day they did it. We get measurements of whatever the parameters are. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we can make changes right over the Internet. And so essentially in vision therapy, we're working on what we call uh, visual motor guidance, the ability of vision to guide movement, and both gross motor or big muscle and fine motor or small muscle. We work on eye tracking, we work on eye focusing, we work on eye alignment, and we work on visual information processing, the ability to understand and get meaning out of what's coming in through the system. So those are really the five key areas that we're going to um, treat in a vision therapy uh, program. Fantastic. Is this something that's covered by insurance? Many times it is. Vision therapy, by definition, is considered medical treatment. It does have its own medical code. And so many times uh, insurance does have uh, reimbursement schedules. And um, it's, it's up to the individual practice, usually, as to how they handle insurance in their practice and assist patients in getting their benefits. We talked about, again, children. We talked about adults. What about the elderly? How can you help talking about caregivers I, and what should they be aware of? Right. So I would say in the elderly population, probably we function best in the area of vision loss from strokes. Uh, many, many times a person has a visual field loss as a result of the stroke. Um, and unfortunately, many times the field loss is permanent. And even with neuroplasticity, we simply can't bring that area of peripheral vision back. But what we can do is help the person to functionally better utilize what vision they do have. And sometimes we actually do have some techniques with PRISM where we can actually take and 
literally borrow some of the field from the very, very periphery of the field that's still working and move it a little bit into the field that has been lost. And even a degree or two can sometimes be huge from a functional standpoint in a person's ability to be able to get their quality of life back and be able to do the things that they want to do. And I can remember too, I had uh, my oldest patient's been 84 years old. And it's such a wonderful story. She came in and she says, looked at me and she says, Dr. Cadet, I have 51 books on my nightstand. And I will get excited about some subject. I'll go out and buy a book about it. I'll start reading it. And after one page, my eyes hurt so bad and the print looks so crazy that I put the book down and I never pick it up again. And I've done this 51 times. So we put her through a vision therapy program, took care of the issues that were preventing her eyes from teaming and coordinating together. And after we were all done with therapy, we would get a phone call every so often. And all she'd say to us is, well, I'm a number 11 now. I'm a number 18 now. I'm a number 27 now. And she went and and now read all 51 books that were sitting on her nightstand. What a story. What a story. That's fantastic. What a a restoration of somebody's quality of life. That's what she wanted to do was read those books. And that is something that meant to her so much, just as far as independence, quality of life. And for some people, this is really a source of release of stress. It is really very relaxing to read. So going back to caregivers and how caregivers really have to find those small little things that they can have in order to release their stress... To have eye problems is a very stressful thing, correct? I would say very much so. And what I would hope is that the caregivers would look at the people and say, okay, what would they like to do with their life? And is there something that could be done that could help them do it better? Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. Thank you for joining us on Lifestyle Improvement for part one of our interview with Dr. Theodore Cadet. Dr. Cadet is a practicing doctor in optometry and is the director of optometry and neural optometry for the Hope Clinics, which are located in Bellevue, Silverdale, and Tacoma, Washington. Dr. Cadet is a charter fellow of the College of Optometrists in Vision Development, which is the certification body for developmental optometry and neurooptometry.
This is Naomi, and you just heard my song, Only Stars. You can find me and the song on YouTube if you search for Only Stars Can Make the Night Shine by Naomi. N-H-A-O-H-M-I. And don't forget to come back next week at 7.30 a.m. to listen to part three of the interview with Dr. Cadet and the host of Lifestyle Improvement, Rebecca.